Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, another victory podcast as Sam Fortier from the Washington Post and I discussed the 17-15 win over the Las Vegas Raiders in dramatic fashion thanks to Brian Johnson's late field goal, Taylor Heineke's heroics down the stretch. We'll get into the near interceptions too. Anyways, that's four straight, folks. You can believe now. What this team keeps overcoming and showing is tremendous. They have developed an identity and know how they need to play. It comes just as Dallas heads a town with a two-game lead into the division. It should be a fun week for Washington and for you. You can follow Sam on Twitter at Sam4TR, and you can read my work on ESPN.com. I'll have a story up Tuesday about Taylor Heineke and his impact on the personality of this roster and what he means to his teammates. Sam and I talk about this on the podcast as well. Before I get going, the bad news is this. Logan Thomas likely is done for the year. Washington's fear, as Adam Schefter and others have tweeted, is that Thomas suffered a torn ACL and torn MCL. He'll undergo more tests Monday, but it does not look good. And it came on that hit by Yannick Ngukwe as Thomas was pulling to block, and Yannick went low. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Went low right at his knee. It was not a good look, to be honest. And I'll be curious to hear what... Washington's coaches have to say Ron Revere did not see the play so he could not comment on the play after the game but I'll be curious to hear what he has to say on Monday after he does get a chance to watch it because it did not look good. Washington can keep winning minus Thomas but they're a lot better with him of course. He's a terrific red zone target and one of the best in the NFL at that position maybe the best and has become a more consistent blocker. He's a legitimate threat and this team needed him. He's tough, he's athletic, he uses his size extremely well. However, I also like what Ricky Seals-Jones did before he got hurt. And if he can come back healthy from his hip injury, he was limited in practice last week. He was on the he was active or he was on the inactive inactive list today. So I don't know when he's coming back, but the good sign for him is that he did he was at least limited last week. And he at least gives them a presence at the position of pass catching threat. I like what rookie John Bates offers in the run game, but this is not an ideal way to enter the most important stretch of the season. What I also know is that this team has overcome a ton already this season. Every week I wonder how much more they can overcome, and every week they keep doing it. So I'm not going to doubt them, but it's going to be a big loss, and again, you wonder about the impact. By the way, this news came out after Sam, after Sam and I had taped our conversation, so we did not get into what this loss might mean. Um, there will be more time for that later, but now you know. And with that, here's my conversation with Sam Fortier of the Washington Post. Well, Sam, I didn't think anything was going to be more interesting than your couple first days in Las Vegas, but this <laughs> game was. This topped it. Sam's a big car player. A little bit of success, right? Uh, a little bit. Not a, a little ton. Bit. Not as much as this team came out here and did what they're supposed to do. First of all, 
let's start with Taylor Heineke because we can get in the game, but we'll start there because there's a strong belief in him and the players, as we heard from the in the postgame pressers, Cole Holcomb saying how much you believe in him, he's a little baller, etc. What's your takeaway from what he saw today and what the players were saying about him afterwards? Yeah, I think that what the players were saying about him afterwards stuck out to me the most. John Allen said, this is why he needs to be our quarterback. And I asked him, do you mean yeah. in the future? And he said, I, you know, I don't make that decision, but I, I know that this team believes in Taylor Heineke. And to me, you know, when Ron talks about those intangibles that you want in a franchise quarterback, clearly Taylor has that. I think that there are some questions remaining about him on the field, and you saw it today, you know, when he had that interception, the interception that was dropped on that last drive. Um, th- there were several plays where he had layups, and he threw them high, you know, specifically right. check downs to Antonio Gibson, uh, a third down to Logan Thomas. So um, that touchdown was too high, I and mean, Logan makes a great catch. Exactly. So, to me, you know, you have to hit those layups, and, and obviously he does all the special things. You know, he escaped that would-be sack from yes. Max Crosby, and he, and he put himself in position to make that Correct. play, even though he threw it high. So, there are a lot of things that he does well. I just think he consistently has to make those layups a little more, and if you do that, then you allow yourself to really be a franchise guy, because I, I think that question is still open. It definitely is, and I think even in their minds, I don't. There's certainly nothing beyond. Hey, right now he's playing well, but there is something about his personality that people gravitate toward, and I think that's what we're seeing here. When you talk about personality of the team, usually you take on the personality of a head coach. And I think that to a degree it is, but I also think to a degree it's like what Taylor's personality. Absolutely, and I feel like when you have defensive players starting to talk about, hey, you know, right. this is a guy we rally behind, especially Matt Ioannidis, who is a pretty reserved, Very you know, reserved. A, a guy who does not like to talk about anything outside of his rep. Because, he, you know, he says, I don't want to talk, you know, I don't want to speak on something out of turn. Today, he said, you know, I don't want to do that, but... Taylor Heineke and what he's been able to do on the offense has been particularly fun to watch. So for for defensive players, for the kicker, for the coach to really talk about the influence that Taylor Heineke has, really I think we're starting to see that influence. And I think you see it because to me the one thing that's always stood out with him is first of all, he's an underdog story his whole life. So when he or he's overcome things, so when he has to overcome another fourth quarter interception, it's just what he's always done. But there is something about him that allows him to do that. And again, he did almost throw another pick, so you can't discount that. But this is Vegas. Sometimes you you roll a certain you you know. Sometimes you win on fourteen in blackjack, right? Absolutely, Am I right? Absolutely. There you go. So that's what he did there. He got the, I did. It, absolutely. Yeah. I know you did. In, in the words of Michael Phillips, if you got a chip, you got a chance. Right, and that's what he did. But even that, in that last situation, he comes out after the interception. Do you think he's going to drive him down there? <laughs> I want to say no because this offense, particularly because you know they've been so run heavy, they've been so conservative, they hadn't had one of those drives where you know they really were, were starting to hit, you know, especially with tempo, hit rhythm, things like that. Um, but I mean, we've seen Taylor Heineke do this. before. I thought he was going to do it. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I was not as confident because I, you know we hadn't seen it. We have not seen it since. Uh, Atlanta, right? Right. We had not seen we him make that, that two-minute drive. But he hasn't had to. Well, the Denver right. game, he, hasn't he had, had to. to. Denver right. game, he had to, and they didn't come through. Exactly. So, and but I, but there was something like this team has turned a corner where you just say like they're going to find a way. He's going to find a way to the point where like I had to. You have to write as writers. We always have that secondary story ready to go or whatever. The I have to write takeaways. And so you have good, bad. Well, I'm like. I was plugging the good ones in there because, like, and I had the bad ones ready, but I thought I was going with the goods because we've just seen that before from him. The Giants game throws the pick, drives him down. The Atlanta game, again, the Denver game was the one, um, but I 
felt like they'd find a way. But still, then you get you bring on a kicker who has not kicked for this team before. And as we heard in the postgame presser, most of those guys, John Allen said he didn't know his name. And I guarantee he probably still doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean. No one followed up to say, do you know it now? But I, I, I did I, ask him. I did ask him, do you know it now? And he kind of made a joke about it, but he didn't say it. Right. So, it, so I can't guarantee that he actually did. He said he did, but I don't know. Absolutely. And I think that uh, Brian Johnson, obviously another cool story, a guy that kicked yeah. at Gonzaga High School, went to Virginia Tech. Um, but for him to come through, it, it, that does sort of feel like like this team had turned the corner right. and, and, and sort of – Ron talks about resiliency, and I think sometimes you can kind of worry that that's coach speak or that that's you know, him trying to imbue his team with a certain aspect that he wishes it has. Uh, you know, we heard so much about the immaturity this, this earlier this year, but – Really, when Brian Johnson makes that kick, especially after you've had so much struggle uh, at that position, yeah. you had so much turnover, you brought in Chris Blewett, that didn't work out. But for, for the new kicker, for his first real field goal, yeah. to be that and to ba- nail it. That's ballsy. That's ballsy. Yeah. And uh, after um, you know Taylor drove him down there, I think that was really emblematic of where this team is at right now. Yeah, Oh, and, and it is. And I think you look at, you lose a kicker, you replace a guy who does that. You lose Landon Collins, you have DeShazer ever come in in certain packages, Kalik Hudson in other packages. You lose J.D. McKissick, Antonio Gibson has an expanded role, and then Wendell Smallwood comes in. Keith Ismail is a fourth center. You know, I mean, he has his struggles. At, you know, there are certain things he struggles with, but I liked what they saw in the run game with him. So the point is they have all these guys coming in and they keep overcoming. Is it just about resiliency or is there something else? I, I think it's about resiliency, but I do think that this speaks to the depth that this roster has. Because fourth string center, Logan Thomas got hurt. You're on your third right. string tight end because Ricky Seals Jones is out. You got your backup right tackle. Uh, you got Antonio Gibson handling a really heavy workload for the second week in a row uh, because you're, you're trying, you know, you're trying to use him more on third down. Right. So really. Uh, I, I think that what this team is able to accomplish is is some mindset. But I don't think that if they don't have the talent there, the mindset doesn't right. mean as much. Because we're, we're talking about guys now, especially in the offensive line, what that's, they've been able to do this year. That is kind of the byproduct of, of what Ron wanted when he you know, built that experienced veteran front office earlier this year. Obviously, not all of the, the decisions have been hits, but I think you saw today um, the byproduct of, of the things they have done, like re-signing Cornelius Lucas, you know, on a, on a cheap deal, you know, bringing in, you know, sticking with Keith Ismail uh, on the practice squad after, you know, the six-round pick from 2020 maybe didn't right. work out as, as quickly as they thought. Um, it's just, you're just giving yourself those opportunities and those chances to say, hey, you know, we don't want to have a, a ton of drop-off here. And then with the O-line, because you did a story recently on the O-line. Nikki did. Nikki did it. With the post did it. So I thought, it was, for some reason, I thought it was you. I, I did Chase Rulia as well. Okay, well, there but you go. Then he got hurt. But we, we've seen Matt's go, how he works with them, and we've mm-hmm. seen what they've done with them and how they try to develop these guys because I don't know that everybody always does that. And I know like when Bill Callahan was here, he was good at getting the young guys to play. The veterans, I think after a while, chafed because they didn't want to work all the time the way they did after practice. Matt's guy lets the vets handle their own business because they've been successful at that. But he works with those young guys a lot. And I think we're seeing some of the benefits of that with because you know Lucas goes in, he was a backup, so he's going to get a little bit more work. Keith Ismail coming in and you know Tyler Larson coming in and doing what they've done. So I just think that the way they've handled it, especially with Matsko, and I'd say Pete Hainer too, the tight ends coach, that has really paid dividends. One of my favorite things 
is coming to the stadium three hours before the game, and you see John Matsko right. working with those right. younger guys, with Sadiq Charles, with Keith Ismail, right. and he's a guy that's really, really about details, right. and a guy that Sadiq Charles works with in the offseason, Willie Anderson, the former right. you know, Bengals offensive lineman, he worked with Matsko as well um, when they were in Baltimore together, and he told me a story about how... Uh, John Matsko, when when he was in Baltimore, to, you know, before before practice would start, he would do a walkthrough with offensive linemen, and he would he would get some firefighters, local firefighters, to come out and play like a scout team defense, so he so that they could work on their footwork. And if you took one wrong step in in the pre-practice walkthrough, he was all over you. So this is a guy who's really about details, yeah. details, details. He loves the two-hand punch technique. Um, I think there's a lot of things about John Masco that are allowing this unit to rebound in the way they have been to, to these ad- adverse and situations. That's a, great, that's a great little anecdote. And the other thing that I also like with the run game, which I think enables it to work despite losing some of those guys. Because like when you notice like Keith Ismail, for example, in the, um, in the Seattle game when he had to come in, did very well in pass pro, struggled at times in the run game with guy, bigger guys in front of him. He had a bigger guy in front of him today in Hankins. But what they really did well, I thought, again, this is the run game design, is the motion away from the ball, but then the tight end pulling with that motion after the motion, right? So you're taking the eyes away. You're taking a linebacker out of that gap, and you're getting them to move, and it was creating gaps the other way. So it's in addition to that kind of training as well as, I think, some scheme as well. And then Antonio is running well would you agree yeah absolutely I mean he's a really physical guy I think today you know we saw yards after contact which is not something we saw early in his career and and him knowing when to press that hole and to be aggressive and I think that's really allowed offensive coordinator Scott Turner um, to really rely more on the run game because in the last four games obviously I don't have the numbers on this one but um, when this win streak started against Tampa Bay since then you've seen Scott Turner calling Runs on fifty nine percent of early great. downs, uh, in you know the, when the score margin is is within one score, and that is much higher than his career rate, which is forty six percent. And so, obviously, you know there, there's a debate about what's more efficient, run or pass. But one thing that's clear about this team is they're physical. They're running the ball really well on early downs. Some sometimes today they weren't. There were a couple negative plays early on, right. the reverse to Curtis um, that they tried, but they were able to get themselves out of those scenarios and. Uh, when you are running the ball, as Scott Turner, Scott Turner said earlier this week, you have to be able to convert on third down. Correct. Well, they're all, and they're oftentimes in third and short. Now today they're getting some bad, some holes. Right. But the other thing along with that, I think good, what good coaching does is you take what you have and you work with that. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're a better passing team and if you're just running the ball a lot because people want to run the ball, well, that's not good coaching. Mm-hmm. Good coaching is saying this is who we are, this is what we need to be, and that's what they've done. And adapting to the opponent. Correct. The last two Correct. weeks, you know, Scott Turner said, hey, we felt like we could run right. the ball. Maybe the, those guys were playing too high coverages a little bit more, so you didn't have the same explosive opportunities in the pass game. We are going to run the ball. We're going to shorten the game. We're going to keep Tom Brady off the field as they did. Um, really, I think Scott Turner, the thing that I think I appreciate about him, and, and you didn't know this um, coming in because he had no track record as an offensive coordinator, but he understands the numbers. He understands, yes. hey, you want to throw the ball more, but that doesn't let that doesn't dictate to him what the game plan is. Right. Like you said, he adapts to his personnel. Yeah. He adapts the situation, and he says, okay, this is what's you know going to work for us. And, and although it doesn't always work, obviously, um, he's still, it seems, putting them in the best right. position to succeed for where they're at right now. And I think the other thing that helped today without J.D. McKissick, and they use Smallwood a little bit, but Gibson's versatility and his ability to then handle a third down roll, more of a third down now, again, they miss JD. Because there are definitely times you think like he could do something, but but Antonio's ability to play that 
certainly helped compensate for the loss. And I think that's what we go back to. And it's also it's using your talent the right way, but it's also having guys who can fill different roles as well. Like DeShazer comes in and he's physical. He has a presence out there with his ability to do that. So you focus on what he does well, and that seems to be what they're doing. One of the things that, that stuck out to me when we talked to Randy Jordan last week um, was he said JD is one of the best in the league at catching the ball and you know quickly, quickly getting upfield. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that we saw that today and you know in, in certain small situations where if it's second and eight and, and you know Antonio catches a short pass, then you're in third and four. Whereas maybe you know if right. it's JD, it's third and two or third and he one. He makes guys miss with his quicks. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and so while Antonio is stepping into that role, I think a, a three down role, which they thought maybe they that he was capable of growing into when they drafted him, um, you're still you still are are missing. You know, I think the things that, that JD Absolutely. does, and 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 like you said, you know, like what Landon does, and, and even Wes Schweitzer, I think on the interior West, offensive I think line, miss, yeah, yeah. So I think I think all three of those guys might not be the biggest names, but key parts of, of this team. Well, and I think if you win four games in a row, and you if you want to do something, you have to have those kind of guys on your roster. <clears throat> and then with Landon, I mean, I you know I thought it might it might be a slightly bigger loss, but I like the way they did it because Khalid played a lot early in the game, and as the game went on, they were using DeShazer seemed to be more and more, and. Um, he's just like he's a good guy to have on your roster because he can play special teams. This is a guy who's always wanted to play more. Everybody does, and he always kind of gets bumped to the back or whatever. But he's always seems to be ready. And when he's in there, he adds a physical presence. And I've said that three times now, but it's true, right? <laughs> but he, you know, I think on the one where the one remember the fumble that wasn't a fumble, mm-hmm. but he came up hard on that play, hard. And that's like that's what I like about him. It's guys who stay ready like him. A pro in that backup spot is, enables you to continue this streak. I think the one of the things that I noticed right away about him last year when he stepped into that free safety role um, was just how physical he was, like you said. I mean, I had not covered this team before, but there's something different about when he pops a guy mm-hmm. or when he comes up. And and uh, obviously today when Kalik, uh, that ankle injury, you know, he, they needed him to step up. They needed him to play more and, and maybe drop Cam Curl down to that Buffalo nickel spot. And um, I think, you know, that's an, another example of position flex, which obviously Ron loves, and, right. and kind of the versatility that they can have. Um, is, is moving Cam Curl around in the same way that they were moving Landon around. It, uh, and Cole Holcomb talked about, you know, even when Kalik was in and you had to change those coverages, he actually said that, you know, Landon's absence made him realize how many different right. things Landon could do, right. you know, in those certain sub packages because all of a sudden they're saying, okay, well, DeShazer can't do this and Kalik can't be the post safety in the middle of the field. So, you know, we have to reconfigure this coverage or this scheme. I think it's been hard for people to see. I mean, you can see Landon, oh, he's on the field, he's up here. But what they're doing within that is that, you know, you have to be a very, very, very smart player to be able to handle that. And going back to Cole, because he also said something interesting to me and was him trusting his instincts more. Mm. And he's doing that more because there were plays in the Atlanta game, for example, where he would see it and he'd read it, but he wouldn't go. Mm-hmm. And it was the difference between a zero-yard gain and a five-yard gain, a pass breakup or a five-yard gain and a first down. Now he seems to be going and maybe trusting his instincts a little bit more. Do you see a difference in his play lately, do you think? Yes, and I think that this progression is kind of what we saw from last year from his rookie year to his second year he talked about trusting his speed and coverage not you know you know not freaking out basically when he got more than five yards down the field with a tight end or a running back and I think that you saw him over the year kind of grow into that and and kind of have that calm you know playing a little bit more technical coverage and I think this year you're seeing him like you said read and react on those plays and I think you see it most 
perhaps uh, you saw the screen that the screen he was he, big. Was was huge. The swing pass he brought swing, up, right? Um, Which he did not make the play, but he forced it wide and others made it. Exactly. But he broke. He busted that up. And he had two huge pass breakups today, including right. one on that touchdown right. that forced them to, to then kick right. a field goal. Right. I mean, he. You'd always seen the potential. You'd heard about the potential with him, but could he do it consistently in the same way that you know a lot of players have? I think that you're seeing him become more consistent, uh, especially during this win streak. Maybe it just stands out more, but it certainly seems like it. It is, and I think it helped. It, they needed a game like that from him because Jamin Davis had his like thing with their four four missed tackles. I think it was. Yeah. Now the last one, you, no missed tackle is acceptable, but it was more what Rivera said. Like if you're gonna miss, force him back to your help. And it could have been a disaster if his help wasn't there. It was only a three-yard gain, and it wasn't because he forced him back inside. Not saying he did it, but if you're going to miss, force him inside. The other ones, though, he's got to get that cleaned up. But that's something they can worry about. Last thing, now facing Dallas. They're two games back, and they face them twice in three weeks. What is your, ta- what is your outlook for the next couple weeks with this group? Yeah, I, I mean, it's obviously going to be pivotal, right? I mean, they're the division leader. You're two games back. You have a huge opportunity to put yourself... You know, if you win next Saturday and you're within one game of the division lead over over four, you know, with, with all those being division games, I think you've put yourself in a position to, to not only... Not only sneak in, but to control your own destiny. Because yeah. I think the thing that, that we maybe lose sight of sometimes is this team is back at 500 for the first time since week before. And, and really... Ron Rivera's tenure has been about, so far, they've, they've been not great, but they've been good enough in a bad division or good enough for a certain situation. Right. And you have an opportunity down the stretch to say, no, we're not good enough for a certain situation. We are good, period. Right. And I think that if, if you can do that and you can get into the playoffs on, on your own merit rather than a bad division or Correct. a certain set of circumstances breaking your way, I think that goes a long way for a team's and, progress. And I also think they're playing better than they did last year. Yes. I think they're a better team than last year. They're more tested than last year. You look at some of the losses last year, they were to bad teams. Even during that streak, they are, I think, a much more tested, better team right now than last year. So we'll see what happens. All, all anybody wants is to have relevant games in December, and we're going to have them. So enjoy, folks. Thanks, Sam. Thank you for having me, and I'm, I'm glad uh, the, the people got the concert going on in the <laughs> I mean, background. With, yeah, uh, I hope <laughs> Cardi I B to hear that, but yeah, there was a lot. There's a, this was Vegas, man. <laughs> Everything about this place was Vegas. During the game, like after every play, I felt like there were going to be showgirls dancing out there because they're playing this loud, booming music, and I'm kind of you know grooving a little bit up there. You know? I really and, wish that people could see you dancing oh, man, right now. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty intense, but, <laughs> but it was like it was, this was every bit Vegas. It, there, there were concerts on TV timeouts. Yes. I was amazed. Yes. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Sam for joining me, and thank you, as always, for listening. Enjoy this ride, folks, and have fun this week getting ready for Dallas. I'll have another episode on Tuesday night. Talk to you next time.